Today on Locked On Canadians, that game was not good, but Jake Allen has a quote for the ages. This is a family show, so we're going to have to be careful how we handle that. Plus all your mailback questions, and that's all coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 748. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlow of Habs Eyes on the Prize. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day, we're free and available wherever you get your uh, podcasts or on YouTube. And today, we have a quote from jake allen for the ages um and uh scott i don't know if you want to do the honors or if i should do the honors or i'm i'm gonna read this and i'm gonna launch right into the tirade that i have saved up from the minute and you can check the timestamp on my tweet from december 13th that i said they were gonna lose to the anaheim ducks because of course they are and this is a direct quote from jake allen after the game and says have uh, from at habs and high heels you get all hot and horny at the start of the year. Every team is. You get piss and vinegar in your pants, and you're ready to rock. Then sometimes it gets a little bit stale, but I don't find that with this group. We have a lot of youth here and a lot of enthusiasm and continued. I think that's one thing Marty and his staff try to preach every day is bringing enthusiasm to the rink where we come off a couple losses in a row or a couple wins in a row. We try to have the same mindset. If this was supposed to be piss and vinegar Montreal Canadians you should be checked for incontinence because I've never seen <laughs> such a pathetic <laughs> pants wetting effort from a team before yeah you lost to the Senators the night before it was an intense game but it was close and you played well at five on five in that and then you came into this game against the Ducks it's a back-to-back okay fine the Anaheim Ducks the Anaheim actual Ducks, they are no longer the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. They don't have purple jerseys. Have one, one singular regulation win this season. And you lost 5-2. Your power play was pathetic. You gave up a power play goal to them in no time flat. You did not play well. Cole Caulfield rules hard. Everything else in the trash. Maybe your Ice gets a break. Everything else in the trash after this game. Inexcusable level of execution and effort. This team looked like they could not pass the puck to each other if they were standing still at opposite sides of the faceoff circle. I get that there were going to be bumps in the road this season, and this was not going to be a perfect season in any regard. Everything tonight sucked. The effort from certain players on this team is not good enough. I don't have anything to say about Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman at least looked like he gave a crap when the game got tough and they needed another goal late in this. 
I've tried to defend Jonathan Drouin a lot. They're not putting him in a spot to succeed, and he's not giving them any reason to continue to put him out there in those situations. Josh Anderson had a few moments here or there, but like players who are needed on this team are not stepping up to help shoulder the burden here. Cole Caulfield's great. We know Cole Caulfield's great. You don't need me to tell you that Cole Caulfield's great. Where the hell is everybody else? And yeah, David Savard's out. Yeah, Mike Matheson's out. Okay. The Anaheim Ducks have one regulation win. They're starting a guy with an 880 save percentage. How many games in a row were they shut out? Three games in a row? Three games in a row, I think. The Canadians gave up more goals in like a 28-second span than they had scored in their previous three games. It It's pathetic. And I get that this is a season and the loss in Bedard or Fantilli or whoever the hell they end up with. But I would rather this team look like they give a crap than go through that. This was a Ducharme-level effort tonight. And that's about the most offensive thing I can say about their effort tonight. I, I, <laughs> I want to have woken up the dog. She is concerned in the crate behind me because I can hear her shuffling. But just that was terrible across the board execution. The Ducks penalty kill clocks in at 67%. He scored one power play goal out of like five opportunities. It It's not, that's not good enough. And don't worry. The Tampa Bay Lightning are coming into town on Saturday. I'm sure they will be much more forgiving than a team with one regulation win. That is my whole thing on this game here. I want to chuck it up, put it in a trash can, have that trash can compacted into a cube, have that cube melted down into liquid molten magma, and then somehow injected back into the earth, never to be seen again. That's how bad this was. And... There's going to be bad games. There's always going to be bad games. But this was this is one of the first ones where I went, this is an inexcusable effort just across the board. And I, uh, better people than I am might have more sane takes on this, but this is the reaction you're getting right after that game is over. I share your sentiments. I don't know if I could put it as colorfully as you have. I don't know if I could illustrate for the listeners very that that very visual um, description. But I do like for those of you who aren't watching on YouTube, uh, Scott did kind of a to the left motion for in the trash, or was it to the right? I can't. I, we're I don't know to... which direction I'm yeah. going on camera. I've hard. done this for four it's, years. Yeah, it, it, it's hard, so I can't tell. But it, it was definitely a to the left motion in the trash. In the trash. All right, so uh, we are going to move on to our mailbag questions, and we've got a bunch of fun ones. In fact, we have so many fun ones that you know how we promised you a little bonus episode this weekend. Instead, what you're going to get is a large bonus episode because we're going to fit as many of the mailbag questions in today's episode as we possibly can. And then anything that's left over, we're not even going to tell any stories. We're literally just going to answer mailbag questions in our bonus along episode that's going to come up this weekend. But first, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. 
However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, Scott, we have um, some very fun mailbag questions. So for those of you who listen to the show regularly, you'll know we have a friend, Rick B. And a couple of weeks ago, Rick came up with a scenario where I was a rich owner and I brought an NHL team to Houston called the Houston Wranglers. And his previous question was, uh, and oh, and also Scott is the general manager I hired. This is very key in this, in this scenario. So the previous scenario that, that Rick uh, came up with for us was that um, I wanted Jonathan Duran at all costs and I wanted uh, Scott to sign him and we were talking about what that contract was. So now this is episode two of the Houston Wranglers. I am still the GM and um, <laughs> Scott, sorry, I'm still the owner and Scott is still the GM. Here's the question. I'm reading this verbatim. Laura has just returned from St. Tropez from her meeting with the English Premier League owners of Liverpool FC. She is planning on buying them to add to her stable. Her appearance back in the Houston Wrangler head office spells trouble for Scott as GM. I love the setting of this question. It's, it's great. Laura has demanded that Scott find a way to trade Josh Anderson, to trade for Josh Anderson and Ben Sherratt for obvious reasons. As an owner, she has her favorites. What is the offer that Scott thinks will pry Josh Anderson from the Ken Huge vice grip? <laughs> Scott knows Laura wants Laura Scott knows what Laura wants she gets as owner of the Houston Wranglers, the newest NHL team. Stay tuned for more of the Houston Wranglers interplay between Laura the owner and Scott the GM as the puck rolls. I like this. I really like this scenario. <laughs> it's like a soap opera. All right, so I want you to get Josh Anderson and uh, Ben Sherratt uh, at all costs because I want to look at them. So what are you doing? Let's assume they're both on their current team. So, you know, Ben Sherratt in Detroit making way too much money and Josh Anderson in Montreal also making too much money. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, the hardest part is, is that I don't know what my current lineup looks like. Uh, like, I do not have a roster in front of me, like after an expansion draft or something. And I know that I have, you know, three years worth of draft picks. Let's say they're, you know, the Wranglers are coming to the league in 2023. And I know I have then 2023's pit or the picks that. So 2024, 2025, 2026, I have those years of picks. I think if you got offered a first round pick, um, Kent Hughes would probably just send Josh Anderson out the door, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Detroit, that one I don't know because I know they don't want to rush their young defensive prospects like Simon Edvinson and other players. So I'm almost wondering if they don't want to trade Sherratt at this point. And trading for him now, you know, longer term contract would mean maybe a little bit cheaper. It's less on, you know, the Wranglers books going forward here. I think a combination of, you know, second and a third or another second could get that done depending on, I haven't admittedly looked at how Sherratt's playing this season because I, I he's not the Canadians problem anymore, but 
Josh Anderson's the interesting one because I know Hughes likely wants a prospect back. So let's just say, you know, we ended up with some second round draft picks here. And, you know, they're not elite prospects, but let's say they are in that Riley Kidney range. Maybe you do that and a second or a first there and get Josh Anderson. It all depends on how well is he playing because that value, as we know as Habs fans, can be all the way up here or it can be all the way down there. There's never really any in between when it comes to Josh Anderson. Um. Okay. So I think I fired you the first time, but apparently yes. you're still my GM. <laughs> so um, here, have a Christmas bonus. Uh, for the next question, I need to know if you play Mortal Kombat. I do. Okay. This question comes from Stephen F. And the subject line is Habs Christmas Party. The scenario. The players and coaches are holding a team Christmas party. And at the request of the younger players, they hold, they hold a Mortal Kombat tournament on their game consoles. Pick which characters the players select, who wins the tournament, and who is the surprise runner-up. I want to say Joel Edmondson or Brendan Gallagher is winning this tournament because both of them grew up on like the original era of Mortal Kombat, which is the era I grew up on, on SNES and everything going from there. And Brendan Gallagher's going to play as Sub-Zero because, of course, he's going to play as Sub-Zero because he's the coolest guy in the game. And Joel Edmondson's going to play as Raiden, the Thunder God. And it's going to come down to those two. And Joel Edmondson is going to win. And Brendan Gallagher's going to get really, really pouty and upset about it. Dark Horse pick... Paul Byron playing as Liu Kang somehow because Paul Byron has the experience and the ability to think more than two moves ahead in anything to potentially be the dark horse to win this tournament. Brendan Gallagher just mashes buttons until something cool happens. I'm going to go ahead and take your word for it. Uh, I'm not a gamer. I do not have an attention span. So that's, <laughs> that's literally that's, that's the thing. Okay, so uh, this is this comes from people who slide into our Twitter DMs. One is Ryan D. Um, mailback question. Long-time listener, first-time typer. I like that. I know his numbers don't reflect it, but do you agree the Habs without Gallagher seem to be missing some of that tenacity and need to win? When he's playing, he seems to bring his he seems to bring the team to the fight. Yeah, I I do actually, and I think. God love Yol Armia for doing everything he can to try and score a goal. Sometimes, you know, you don't got to take the perfect shot. You just got to hack and whack at a puck until it bounces off the goalies back and into the net, or you swat at it 17 times, racking up all that Corsi gaming in the net there. The Canadians have kind of missed that in front of the goal there. There have been rebound chances. There were tonight, right where Brendan Gallagher usually operates, or Sean Monaghan, if he were healthy as well. And I do think that, that they are definitely missing those guys who are very good at getting the puck in dangerous areas to create more opportunities. And Brendan Gallagher is a high-danger chance machine because he lives around the Canadian's net. Without that, they don't really have a guy that fits that spot. Josh Anderson works best off the rush. You know, Yol Armia works best operating along the boards. Evgeny Titanov, I don't even know at this point. Like... Caulfield and Suzuki are, you know, more perimeter distance shooters. 
And Christian Dvorak just kind of floats into soft space. They don't have that Gallagher-like player in this lineup right now. And it, it does stand out because, you know, we talk about giving a crap. No one gives a crap harder on this team than Brendan Gallagher on any given night. Like, he absolutely gives his all. Even if it isn't pretty, he's out there doing his best. One more question for this segment, also from our Twitter DMs. And your initials are RT. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce uh, your, your, your username. For the mailbag, what would you think about a deal that would be Dvorak and Edmondson to Edmonton for Puyarvi, a first and a lower end prospect? I think Edmond gets depth at both, both positions that they lack depth in. And Montreal gets a project centerman and time on the back end for rookies. So again, that would be Dvorak and Edmondson for Priarvi, a first and a lower end prospect. So let me take a look at the Oilers prospects because Puyarvi in a first is already a yes for me. Um, I'm assuming that means Xavier Borgo is off that off that list there because he's considered probably too high of a prospect. Um, I don't think Philip Broberg is going to be on there. I think he's considered too high. I wonder what they think of someone like Raphael Lavoie um, as someone who, if they don't think maybe the highest of him, maybe he's someone that I would look into asking for then because, and this is not a, you know, the Canadians are asking for a French Canadian. If they think that he's not in their plans going forward there, I would do that. I would happily trade uh, Dvorak, assuming then you have a ready-made center to come in and, I assume Sean Monaghan would resume those second line duties and then, you know, you figured out in the off season, but Puyarvi is a winger that I actually think would be really fun with Suzuki and Caulfield allowing Kirby doc to slide back to center on another line, maybe play with Slavkovsky, uh, Raphael Lavoie, someone who could actually be a really big ad for the rocket who need a body and a first round pick for a team that will probably go out in the first round because Jack Campbell cannot stop a beach ball currently Seems like a pretty good deal to clear about what nine million dollars off the cap, even with the contracts coming in. I think that's a pretty big win for the Canadians uh, if everything pans out well. I would one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, in the meantime, we've got plenty more questions, and that's all coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. All right, so our friends at Habs Unfiltered ask uh, a really important question given tonight's game and basically every game since, you know, last year. We keep getting told that hockey is too woke, but we don't think those very special people have watched a Habs power play. Those make everyone sleepy. I, I have a lot of ways that I could go with this. But at the risk of setting both our mentions and the comments section on fire, uh, the Canadians tonight went back on the power play even before Caulfield scored. And I got up to take the dog outside to go to the bathroom. I knew I had at least two minutes of, you know, nothing to do at all whatsoever. It, it's bad. And it's like we talked about with Drew is that he, he doesn't fit the role they're putting him in. He just swings a puck from Suzuki to Caulfield or Caulfield to Suzuki. There is no playmaking there that is just facilitating back and forth. It's predictable. You have the skill to be better than that. It's the, the Canadians power play. I, we could do another whole 10 minute rant on the power play, but at the risk of waking up my neighbors and Carly, we're not going to do that. So 
yeah, uh, the Canadians power play is an excuse to get up and go grab a snack uh, on any given night at this point. Our friend Beth from the Habby Hour. Hi, Beth. Which Hab not named Cole Caulfield do you think still believes in Santa? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, obviously, like, obviously Cole Caulfield, but, like, who has, like, the most childlike wonder left on this team? Like, I like Nick Suzuki's too serious for that. Like, he's a grown-up. He's, yeah. he's a 22-year-old grown-up. Like, maybe Uri Slavkovsky, because he's still, like, the youngest guy. He's still a child, I guess, is, like, the default answer. But, like, part of me wants to be, like, Brendan Gallagher, because he's a large adult child, relatively speaking. <laughs> like, I'll give uh, you all of those. Fair enough. Uh, I think Samuel Montembeau, he, there's, there's a little bit of an innocence about him, too. They'll squash that out of him yet this season. Just wait till they have to play the Bruins or whomever that that's coming up in the near future that'll be fun uh all right so we've got a question from Dolly goalie droid Dolly goid uh goalie droid <laughs> um it's friday everybody uh two questions actually i like these ones which hab do you think will get the last goal of the year and the next one is which hab is the best sugar cookie decorator the last goal of the year it's I want to say they play the Bruins the last game of the year, but I want to double check what their actual last game of the season is. And it is, it is the Boston Bruins. And Nick if they're, Suzuki. I was going to say it's either Nick Suzuki or if he's still here, it's going to be Brendan Gallagher because he's one of the few surviving remnants of like, you know, the, the 2014 playoff run in that series against the Bruins. And when the rivalry got real, real heated again, He's like the only surviving member of that team still here because Carey Price is obviously no longer playing. He's LTI retired. Like it's Brendan Gallagher is the only one left to carry that like lasting hatred for the Bruins. Like Caulfield and Suzuki haven't been there when it was intense, intense like that. Uh, and the best sugar cookie decorator I want to say Arbor Jack guys probably got a hidden talent for decorating Christmas cookies. I mean, I feel like that was something he might've picked up at Costco. Like if they did that kind of thing in house. Um, otherwise, uh, Jake Allen, you know, he's Ooh, got what, three one. kids now, three or four kids now. Like I bet he's decorated more than his fair share of cookies in his lifetime. Um, I think I, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to agree with you there. Uh, so Jeff the Red asks us an interesting question. Uh, he's, he says, TSN hockey writer Steve Dryden, in his ranking of each team's under-24 players, listed Logan Mayu as a potential top-four defenseman, but not Jordan Harris. Who do you think should be higher on the Habs prospect list? As of this exact moment, like we're recording this after a game, Jordan Harris should be higher based solely on the fact he is playing in the NHL regular minutes, penalty killing and high leverage situations. If Logan Mayu were to continue to develop and grow into the physical traits he has, I can see why that, that, uh, that thought process behind that. But at this exact moment, Jordan Harris is an NHL player. Logan Mayu is a very offensively gifted OHL player. There is an ocean between those two spots right now. And yeah, Jordan Harris is not 
does not have that same flash and sizzle, but he is an NHL player that his coach and team trusts in a lot of high leverage situations. It's obviously it's going to take time to continue for my use development here. If he hits those peaks that he is capable of physically and with his skill set, I understand it right now at this exact moment, I am taking Jordan Harris as it stands. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. And here's why, because I think if you look at the raw tools, then Logan Mayu probably has more of that, you know, the shot, the skating, all of that. You're looking at the raw tools. But a big part of being a defenseman, particularly in today's NHL, is decision-making on the ice. Now, we're not talking about anything off the ice. We're literally talking about your on-ice decision-making. And what what makes Jordan Harris so effective as a defenseman is his intelligence on the ice. Now, to be charitable... Logan Mayu does not have a whole lot of that right now. His instincts, his hockey IQ aren't great. Like you can see when you're watching him. And this is, this is a problem is that we see a lot of highlights of him. So we don't get to see the minute by minute situation. So I would agree, like Scott said, that right now, when you're looking at the way where they're at, yes, you would take Jordan Harris above. You would rank Jordan Harris above. But if you look at Logan Mayu and you think, is he going to get better at that decision-making, at that hockey IQ, at that intelligence stuff to match his shot, to match his skating, his speed? Then, yes, you would absolutely rank Logan Mayu above. That's, you know, and this is like an unbiased answer to this question. We're considering only their hockey tools. We don't have to, you know. We, we don't, don't have, have to, to relitigate everything else. This is exactly. legitimately based off of hockey skills. And that can change as players develop. That's how opinions and analysis work on things. Uh, Paul Brancho asks an interesting question. If uh, Ryan Reynolds becomes part owner of the Senators, would the Senators change their mascot from Lion O or Spartacat to Deadpool? No, because I think Marvel might have a, a little bit of a say in that matter, considering they own the licensing rights for that. And uh, I mean, I'd be all for them dressing up Spartacat like Deadpool, but getting actual Deadpool is money. I do not think the Ottawa Senators or Ryan Reynolds have. I know Ryan Reynolds is a very, very rich man. Marvel Studios has more money than God and is likely not going to you know hand that out at a very cheap price overall. Uh, I I absolutely agree with you there. So we're going to leave it at that. I also just, I don't want the Ottawa Senators to be cool. Like I, I simply do not. Um, we've got a ton more questions, both on Twitter, in the emails and on YouTube question uh, on, in the YouTube comments, but we're going to table that to our bonus episode for this weekend. I know we promised you on this week, but we're going to just expand it. So if your question was not answered today or last Friday. You will get it answered in the bonus that we're dropping this weekend. It'll be a full-length bonus. And that's all going to be coming up, obviously, along with many other things next week. It might be the holidays coming up, but we are still going to be covering the Canadians, and we are still going to be here for you. So check out Locked On Canadians wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and hit that bell so you get notifications whenever we post bonuses or lives or anything like that. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You'll find Scott at Scott Matley. You will find me at The Active Stick. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you 
uh, next week or on the weekend, depending on when we edit that bonus episode. Have a good weekend, everybody.